0: you Hey, my fellow monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Armed Ape Podcast, the show where we review and talk about everything from guns, gear, and movies to life in general. Nothing is ever out of bounds. As always, everything we talk about has the end goal of making our lives better by cutting through all the marketing BS using logic, reason, and honest discussions. I look forward to hearing from you soon and to your participation in the show. Well, hello, my beautiful monkeys and my fellow travelers. What's going on? Today is Monday. It's the 10th of January, 2022. And on the show today, we are going to do, oh, things a little bit different. The show may or may not be a little shorter. I tend to ramble sometimes. But anyway, the we're going to talk about two movies. And usually the way that I do movies when I do reviews is I'll go pretty much from start to finish And I'll avoid spoilers up to a certain point and then I will go ahead and uh, let you guys know and then we'll come back and and discuss the rest. I think maybe today we're going to do something a little bit different than that. Uh, But before we get into that, I'll give you a little bit here on the preview of what's coming today. We're going to talk about, like I said, two movies. One is going to be a movie from 2021 starring Chloe and I always Moretz, I think, and Algie Smith would be maybe the people that you would know. He seems familiar, like I should know him from somewhere. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Uh, and again, this was in 2021 called Mother Slash Android. And we saw this on, my wife and I actually saw this on Hulu. The other movie I'm going to talk about is. Called Fat Man, and this stars Mel Gibson, uh, Walton Goggins, and was in twenty twenty, I believe. It also stars the about the only other person you would maybe recognize would be uh, Mel Gibson, of course, plays Santa Claus, so he is plays Chris, as in Chris Kringle, and his wife is Ruth, and she is played by. Marianne Jean-Baptiste. And you would know her. She's a um, a pretty well-known, I guess you'd maybe call her character actor. Anyway, before we jump in with all that stuff, let's go ahead and get a contact info posted. And speaking of contact info, we do have a voicemail from our friend Thomas in Salem. So it was great to hear from him again after so long. If you would like to be like Thomas, and either give me a call on the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731, 206-745-APE1. And you are limited to about 90 seconds on that, but you can call as many times as you want. Or if you would rather write an email, I'll read it out for you on the show. Or if you want to record your own audio, you don't have to worry about length or anything like that. And generally, the quality is... is uh, Usually a little bit better, although the phone stuff, uh, the voicemail stuff is pretty good too. Anyway, the place that you can send that stuff is thearmedape at gmail.com. All one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. If you're ever interested or want to check out some of my social media stuff, there is uh, icons for all those things, buttons for those, I guess we'd call them. You can go over to the website, which is thearmedape.com. Click on those and you can check those things out. If you'd like to support the show maybe financially, you can, uh, there's a, a PayPal donation button and you can click on those prompts. You can, oh my gosh, you can click on the button and follow those prompts. There we go. That's how we do it. If you would like to support the show, but financially is not in the cards for you right now, I would ask maybe that you either tell some of your friends about it or go over to my YouTube channel. So if you go over to the website, click on that YouTube icon, go over there, check it out, subscribe. I'm trying to build that thing up. Eventually, I'll be doing some armed ape stuff on YouTube as well. Uh, But also, probably the best thing, and I I think i always fail to mention it, is send in some feedback for the show, or if you've got an idea for the show, if you've got a a movie or a, a product review. And also remember, you guys can also review stuff and send it in as well. It doesn't have to be just me. And we can talk a little bit more about that stuff later. So real quick, let's jump in with these two movies. And they do have some similarities. They are both kind of, uh, I would call them maybe lower budget movies. I tend to think of Fat Man more as a a dark, dark comedy with some thriller elements and maybe a little bit of fantasy element, I guess, you know, because we're dealing with with Christmas and uh, Santa Claus, things like that. When we look at... Mother Slash Android, or I'm just going to say Mother Android. This would be easier than saying Slash all the time. When we look at that, that is definitely kind of sci-fi, thriller, dystopian type thing. And so what I think I'll do is I'll talk a little bit about... Maybe we'll start off with Mother Android first, and then we'll we'll sort of go from there. And the reason probably that I will start with this one is because I don't... With this one, it's really not that great of a movie. It has some good ideas and some good concepts, but it, it sort of I thought failed in the execution. It almost reminded me of a first draft of something where they kind of said, okay well, here's what we want to do. these are these ideas and here's what we're gonna, this is sort of our first go at it. but let's go and let's kind of refine this thing and polish it and cut get rid of some stuff, get rid of some things that don't make sense. because in this thing, basically, The story behind it is we're living in a world where there are androids that look just like people and they are, I guess, a servant class. Now, I don't know if that means that they're only in the homes or if that they are doing other dangerous jobs. And that's something, again, that you're never told while watching the movie. So there is basically a revolt. We never find out why. And the androids start attacking people. We don't know if this is just in the United States. We don't know if it's in other countries as well. Not exactly sure. Although I think there was a kind of a throwaway line, or or maybe it would lead you to think that this had happened elsewhere. I you know, I, I don't know. Our main characters are Chloe Moretz and again Algie Smith, and they are supposed to be probably 19, 20 years old. They're supposed I think they're supposed to be in college. They find out she and um, his character, his character's name is Sam. Hers name is Georgia. Georgia finds out that she is pregnant with Sam's baby. And they're kind of like, well, what are we going to do type thing? And they're like, ah, we'll deal with this later. They go to this party. And then that's when we we get the eruption of the robots. And from there, it's pretty much sort of, it goes, I guess it it sort of goes from there. And then it jumps to her about nine months later. Since that time, the... The humans and the robots are, are kind of at a little bit of a standoff. The, the robots seem to have a little bit better, oh, maybe footing or something like that uh, because, of course, they don't need to sleep, they don't need to eat, they don't you know blah, 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 blah. And that's another thing we don't really know, other than kind of a throwaway line, we don't really know what the robots' needs are. Do they need to recharge or what are their power sources? And that's, again, stuff that was never talked about. The long sort of and short of it is, is that Sam and Georgia, who are our main characters, are trying to get to a safe zone. They're trying to get the vault to Boston, and then supposedly, I guess, there's just ships that come and go to Korea all the time. Why Korea? We don't know. Is Korea better? We don't know. And then it's a series of sort of misadventures that they go through in, in getting there. And I'm not going to go into too much detail. There are, oh, the character's... Sort of have an arc, sort of not. Uh, they're kind of the same. Maybe they mature a little bit, but they're kind of the same, you know, from the start to the finish. There, could, there were very briefly sort of themes of self sacrifice. Like Sam was willing to sacrifice himself for Georgia and the unborn and his unborn child. And there was some conflict and some stuff in there. It, it wasn't handled very well. And I thought some of those things could have done better. So this is where it's going to be kind of big spoilery stuff, because we're going to talk about the end of the movie, and then we're going to kind of move on. They end up making it to Boston. A robot, basically, who pretends to be a human, sneaks them in, and then, I guess, lets other robots in. They have EMP towers, but I think that they're more like, almost like... uh, uh, nuclear bombs or nuclear strongholds or something like that, where you don't or stockpiles where you're not going to use it unless you need to. And that's what keeps the robots away. Eventually she thwarts the program. She sets off the EMT and I guess what that does is it kills the robots that were in there, but there's a ton more that are coming in. Sam had been previously captured by the robots. He got his, his uh, injured so bad that they had to amputate his feet once they got into Boston they make their way. Eventually, once the, it seems like the hospital's about to get overrun, they make their way down to the waterfront where the ships from Korea are, supposedly, I guess. They get there. And what they have been told earlier is that, well, they're only maybe going to take the mother and the baby. They're not going to take any fathers. And so when they get there, they actually spring the news on them. Guess what? We're only going to take the baby. And eventually they decide to sacrifice and go that route. Well, even though you guys aren't going to know it, I did have a quick interruption there and I, I may have lost my train of thought. It's been quite a few minutes. Anyway, kind of, I guess maybe we'll just wrap up with Mother Android. I would maybe pass it, let it go, unless you just sort of want to watch it to kind of see what I saw type thing. Realistically, I think this probably could have been polished and made to be better. And I think especially if you did something like a Twilight Zone or uh, maybe part of an anthology-type thing. Uh, And and you could maybe even have it be sort of part of a, maybe an ongoing series of something or or, uh, uh, something that's like a six-part episode, not this particular thing, but this could have been maybe a two-arc story in, in some type of a dystopian or android type world where these people are, and you take up with them for a couple of, you know, for a couple of uh, episodes type thing. So, all right, uh, I actually got to take another break here real quick. My first one was uh, unannounced, and this one is announced. So, when we come back, we will go ahead and, uh, you know, what this would be a really good place uh, to be a good break. What we'll do is we'll go ahead and we'll play our feedback that we have from Thomas up in Salem. And then when we come back, we'll pick up with Fat Man.
1: Ape, this is uh, Thomas up here in Salem. been a long time. Finally got around to listening to Falling Down. Had that podcast on my player for uh, a couple of weeks now. Anyway, <laughs> it's a total classic in my mind. uh um kind of grew up with that movie. Watched a million times. I watch clips on YouTube uh, all the time, a little piece by piece just here and there. Um, The thing is, I really wish that movie, somebody that had better computer skills than myself, could take that movie and Fatal Attraction and kind of mesh them together into the same uh, universe. I don't know which ending would be better, but uh, I just like Michael Douglas in both of those movies. And I think uh, adding Glenn Close in there um, would be good as well. But it'll probably never happen, but I like to think that that, uh, that day may come at some time. Anyway, hey, I also realized that you're the busiest man in the world. Um, that was like, uh, six or seven phone calls or something, man. Anyway, thanks for the work. Thanks for putting that together. It's, uh, it's a great, um uh, well, it's fun to, uh, listen to a movie that I've watched so many times. Some of these other movies that are new, I, I, we have no streaming services here, so I, I'm not, uh, lucky enough to watch the, uh, newer movies you've done, but, Anyway, uh, it was a great, great podcast and, uh, hope to listen to another one there
0: soon. See you later. Well, hey, Thomas, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. It's great to hear from you again. Hope to hear from you again soon. Also, it is funny. A lot of times in certain movies, you know, we always talk about doing things like, oh, well, I wish that character would have done this, or maybe if this character from another movie or, or, uh, from another thing, if they could have met, it would be kind of cool. So. Anyway, it's interesting that you talk about, you know, some of the older movies because that's some of the things that I am going to do as well so I'm going to, I have plans for in the future to sort of revisit some of the movies that I watched either as a really young kid or maybe from my teens up into my twenties and thirties and see if they kind of hold up. Uh, one thing, and I think I mentioned it, I did think that falling down did hold up quite well. Um, there are some, you know, uh, parts to it that are a little hokey here and there. But overall, I think it it holds up a lot of the themes, a lot of the uh, ideas and concepts that they were talking about, of course, come into uh, or still. Well, I, guess I shouldn't say come into. I, should, I guess I should say they're still relevant today as well. So anyway, if you, meaning you, Thomas, or if you, anybody uh, of our fellow listeners out there, have any ideas or have any movies or shows that you would like me to talk about. Maybe some of the things from the past or maybe some of the stuff from your past that you haven't seen for a while. And you'd like to do maybe a little bit of a, oh, a a mini sort of before and after. Maybe record your thoughts of, oh, this is what I remember from the movie and this is kind of what I thought about it. And then once you watch it, go ahead and say oh you know it, it turned out that it, it didn't really hold up or it held up well or I there was a lot of parts in here that I remember or don't remember that type of thing all right well let's go ahead speaking of movies let's go ahead and let's jump back in to the show proper we will talk about fat man now fat man was uh, was done again I think I said in 2020 and stars Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins and Marianne Jean Baptiste, uh, who you, uh, I don't really know what she's been in. I've seen her a lot, but I, I couldn't tell you what other stuff, but she's sort of a character actor. Anyway, I guess we'll talk about maybe the, uh, the elevator pitch of this thing is that you have a, a wealthy, very wealthy young boy. Who's probably 12, 13 years old. He gets a lump of coal from santa as a present and then he hires a hitman to kill santa and it also turns out that the hitman who has been hired to kill santa has a grudge against santa from the way that he felt that santa treated him in the past so that would be kind of the the movie in a nutshell and i i was kind of wondering well how do i want to talk about this movie how do i want to do things the the story in itself is relatively simple. There's not really a whole lot of stuff that happens. When when we were talking a little bit about Mother Android, one of the things I had said was I thought it could have been... it, it, it could Well, the main thing is that it, I think it really could have shined as, again, part of maybe as, as an anthology or as part of something like a Twilight Zone type show or an Outer Limits type show or even like a Black Mirror type thing. Where it's it's maybe one or two episodes or it's it's a shrunk down thing. I think this probably had a little bit of padding in it here and there. Uh, and it probably, although it wouldn't have been able to been released as a movie, it probably would you, you probably could have trimmed, you know, 10, 15 minutes off of that pretty easy off of this thing. And you could have tightened some stuff up here and there. The acting is pretty good. There uh there's no Oh, parts of it, I guess, that really stand out or would take you out of it. Everything is very uh, serviceable and professional, all that type of stuff. I did think that there were parts where I thought Mel Gibson was actually trying to embody the part, so to speak. You know, if because if I, I was sort of watching him and watching his performance and watching the movie at the same time. And I thought, you know, I didn't think he was just phoning it in, that type of deal. So anyway, I think what I'll do is I will talk about the characters I'll talk about the boy I'll talk and then sort of like what's in his world I'll talk about uh, the the skinny man who is Walton Goggins I'll talk about his world and then I'll talk about Mel Gibson who is Chris or Santa Claus and we'll talk sort of about his world and then we'll we'll come back and talk a little bit about how they all intersect so I, I don't think I'll go so much as far as a linear thing. What we'll do is we'll just sort of jump around in the story here a little bit, and we'll just sort of talk about maybe some themes and things like that. And I did I mention before? I don't know if I mentioned before in in this movie. I think the person whose story it is, of course, is the is the is is the title character, was Fat Man. So the story really is about Santa Claus, and although the Skinny Man and the boy who's named Billy, although we do have, hold on just a second. There is some asshole kid riding up and down on his bike. So you, you guys may hear that. I don't know. Sometimes it it will pick up. Sometimes it won't with this particular microphone. It's it's designed to kind of have a tight beam sort of pointed towards me. Anyway, I was, uh, I had to wait to kind of hear where he got done running around. So I think I was talking about maybe uh, maybe character arcs, or I was getting ready to talk about character arcs. There aren't a whole lot of character arcs in this thing. So, with the the title of the movie being Fat Man, it is about Santa Claus, and Santa Claus, or Chris, as we'll call him, does have a, an arc. It's not a it's not a a major one. It's not that he has a you know a complete turnaround or anything like that. But he is getting sort of oh kind of downtrodden, I guess. Uh, he's having some money problems and things like that. And so the arc that we see really is from Santa Claus or from Chris in that he's kind of down and depressed. Then he sort of rises to the occasion and kind of turns it around type thing. So, but like I said, we'll, I'll, I'm going to start with the characters and then kind of inter, intertwine them. And we'll tell a little bit about the story. So we're going to be jumping around in the movie. So there will be spoilers here going forward. So we start off with Billy. Like I said, Billy is around 12, 13 years old. He's very, very wealthy. He lives with his grandmother and father. However, his father is always away on business. The grandmother is kind of an invalid a little bit. She's still together mentally, but she's not out and about and running around. All we ever see her is in a wheelchair. So Billy pretty much has kind of the run of the house and the run of the several servants. Now, this kid has, there's probably three or four people that work in the house. And then there's, uh, he has a driver that takes him to school. So he's got, you know, he comes from quite a bit of money. And the grandmother also lets him sort of talk to the people, sort of like, well, basically like a servant class. You know, he comes down and he'll say, you know, Henrietta, make sure such and such gets done, da 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 and he's not outwardly mean to them, but basically he is ordering them around. So they are, it's clear to, to them. It, it's not like Alice in the Brady Bunch. So these people definitely work for him and he expects them to do what he says, when he says, and how he says it, that type of stuff. So anyway, he, he goes to the, uh, the school play or not school play. He goes to the school, uh, science fair type thing. He actually ends up getting second place. He thinks this is unfair. He doesn't think it's right. He ends up having the skinny man, Walton Goggins, kidnap the person who won, which is this little girl. They bring her back to his house and he comes downstairs and the girl is there and then he has a car battery and he's like, you know, making it spark and everything and he says, you know, this won't kill you, but it'll make your teeth chatter. And he says, you're going to tell them that you cheated and that you got you had help with your project and that you don't deserve to have the first place thing. And then when the skinny man drops uh, the girl off back at her house, he's going to say, he says, you're going to tell your mom and dad that you got, uh, you were at the mall and you kind of lost track of time and you got sort of delayed. And he said, if you don't, or if you ever mention this stuff, you know, what's going to happen. He said, I'm going to come back and I'll kill your mom. I'll kill your dad. And he goes, you got a dog? And he's like, she's like, yeah. And what's his name? Like, you know, spot or whatever. He's will come back and I'll kill old spot too. I don't think from Walton Goggins character or the, or the skinny man, I don't think that he is kidding. I think that he would do all that stuff and he would do it without hesitation. He doesn't really care. Uh, Billy is, so we're getting back to kind of to Billy. He is sort of a, he's basically a sociopath. He only cares about himself and and about what he wants. When he comes down for Christmas, he finds that there has been a lump of coal that has been placed in his, in, in in a present that he got from Santa. And then he calls, he gets really mad about it. And then he calls up the skinny man and says, I want you to kill Santa for me. And of course he's like, okay, I'll do it. Then we have, uh, and then, and then that's kind of the end of Billy. As far as what we see, we, we have a couple scenes, which we'll talk about here in a little bit with him later. But what we'll do now is we'll sort of jump over to the character of the skinny man played by Walton Goggins. He is a guy who is an assassin. He collects, toys from Santa's workshop. And so I as a quick aside, I guess what we should talk about here is that Santa is real. And I'm not sure if everybody knows about him or if some people believe and some people don't. They they're not really clear on stuff and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to Chris here in a little bit. But they they, uh, they don't go into a lot of detail of like, "Oh, you know, lots and lots of people believe, but" The skinny man has felt slided by Santa in some way. And so we we see that he uh, collects several, all these toys and things from uh, Santa's workshop. And the way you can tell is on the bottom of stuff or somewhere there's a label, like a little silver, or not silver, a little brass plaque that is put onto the toy or whatever it is. And it says, "made you know, made in Santa's workshop. He... The, the character of the skinny man is, what would we call, he's very fastidious. He's one of these guys that sort of has a um, a place for everything, and everything in his place would probably be how you would describe him. He also is a complete sociopath. He has no real feelings for anybody else that's human. It's, he does seem to have some feeling towards a... Oh, it's like a little hamster type thing, and you know he he seems to care for that thing. But other than that, we don't really see that he has much connection with anything else. Uh, later in the movie, we find out that when he's talking to a he's talking to a kid, he's he's uh, coming out of a convenience store or something like that, and he's t- he sees a kid in a car, and he talks to him a little bit. The kid's playing with this model airplane and he's like, Hey, where'd you get that? And he's like, Oh, Santa brought it to me. The little kid tells him and he's like, well, I'll give you, you know, 150 bucks for it. And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, I'll give you, you know, whatever. He ups the ante and eventually gets the thing. But one thing that was interesting is that he, he's like, you like Christmas? And the kid's like, yeah. And he's like, well, and then he pulls his sleeve up and he said, Oh, and this is not Christmas time. So it's, everything is cold. So, he pulls his sleeve up and you see basically there's all these cigarette burns on his arm. And he, what he says is, oh, my memory of Christmas was uh, menthol cigarettes and burning flesh or something. Because that's something you don't soon forget. Something like that, he says. So anyway, we see that he did not have a good childhood, all that type of stuff. He is also a guy that's kind of not to be trifled with. He, When he asks a question, he expects it to be answered. He's not a, like a gregarious guy or anything like that. So that's kind of our wrap up of The Skinny Man. So now let's turn to Chris and the people of his in, in his world. So Chris is played by Mel Gibson and he is married to Ruth. They live up in, I think in Alaska is where they, I think where they live in a place called North Peak. And they have a, oh, there's a a big barn, and underneath this barn is Santa's workshop, where he has the elves, and the elves are, you know, they have the pointy ears, and they're smaller in stature, and they have the little bells on their shoes, but other than that, they just kind of look like regular workers. Uh, Chris, his attitude, he is kind of a little, almost world-weary, or a little despondent. He is kind of feeling like, well... There's, we're not delivering as many presents because we're not getting as many letters and we don't, we don't get as many people that are little kids that are believing anymore. And so our production runs or our um, the amount of stuff that they're producing is going down. And we also see that he has a contract somehow with, with uh, at least with the United States government where I, I guess maybe he's been allowed to operate on U.S. soil. And he goes out and then they, they pay him based on how much stuff he's sending out. And since he's been sending out less and less over the past few years, their money is getting to the point to where they're not going to be able to maintain the business. So they're having some financial problems or, you know, being able to get the supplies to do all this other stuff. Now there is, um, there is some, what we want to say supernatural or magical element to him? we find out a little bit later and again this is all you know this is jumping back and forth in between the movie and we find these we find a lot of this information out a little bit later but we find out that he has been around at least since 1907 and probably well into the 1800s as well and i don't know if he is supposed to be the first santa claus or if he's supposed to be the santa claus in um for the U S but, but it seems like from stuff that his wife had said that he still takes toys all over the world, I guess, because she says something like though, uh, at one point they're talking about the elves. And then she says to this, to, to this military guy who we'll talk about here in a second, but she says, Oh, the elves speak, you know, all kinds of languages because our, our stuff goes to all over the place, all over the world, basically. So, I am not exactly sure. I, I guess. I don't know if he's like any anywhere where there's Christmas, I guess he can go. So getting back to sort of that supernatural element or magical element, he goes out, he delivers a presents on Christmas Eve. He comes back and he lifts up, he goes into the bathroom, he lifts up his shirt and he's got like a bullet wound in his side. And then he patches himself up and he goes into bed and he lays down. And a little bit later, he's talking to his wife and He's like, oh, you know, some kids were, you know, shot at the sleigh with a deer rifle, and one went up through, and it, you know, I caught it in the side. And then he's like, oh, and she's like, well, let me take a look at, it. and he's like, ah, it'll heal like it always does. So he does have an enhanced healing uh, uh, property about himself. He he has uh, extreme. I don't know that I would say that he's immortal. I, I uh, he practically is, but not a hundred percent. Like I said, he has been around for at least, you know, well, well over a hundred years, probably 120, 130 years, we would say at a minimum. Uh, But I'm not exactly sure how long. So one of the things, remember we had talked about that. Oh, and we, we see the sleigh kind of like part of the sleigh and we see a, a reindeer or two, but we never see them like flying or anything like that. Also with another one of his powers is how Santa has the list of kids that are naughty and nice. And he knows, you know, like from the songs he knows when you're sleeping and he knows when you've been good or bad and all this other stuff. So at one point he goes into a bar and he's going to have a drink. And there's this guy who's sitting at the bar and he's talking to this female bartender and she's kind of hitting on him saying, well, why don't you come on, you know, back to my place and blah, blah, blah. And then he says, Hey, can I get such and such? And so she goes in the back to get him something. And then he goes up to the guy and he says, and I can't remember the guy's name. We'll just say it's like, uh, Oh, like David or something like that. So anyway, he goes up and he's like, Hey, David, you know, how's uh, Emily and your kids doing? And the guy kind of looks at him. He's like, I don't, do I know you? And he's like, you know, if you, and, but, and so through through this uh, thing, basic, through this uh, back and forth that they have, he can he the guy kind of gets freaked out because Chris knows all this stuff about him. So again, we see that Chris can, and I don't know if it's a thing where, when he looks at somebody, he just knows or that he part of his power is he just knows everything because we see we see not everything we I mean, we I don't know. Again, they don't explain it, but it's it's like he just knows. So at one point, well, let's talk about the military stuff and then I'll give that example as well. So what happens is, again, the government, you know, sends him sends him money and he's kind of depressed because they're the money is getting less and less they come out and they tell him, look, we want you to start building, you know, we've looked at your toys and and they're super well crafted and they're very well made. They're some of the best in the world. We want you to start making parts for this new, like, you know, F-38 fighter jet or whatever. And at first he's like, no. And then he eventually agrees to do it. And so the military people come out and they're like, oh, and it's supposed to be kind of like a one-time deal. It's like, well, we're just going to do this till we get back on our feet. Then we're going to go, then we won't do this anymore. The military people come out and they say, okay, well, you know, we want to come out. And what we're going to do is we're going to set up guards. We're going to have men here. We're going to train your guys, how to train your elves, basically how to do this stuff. And once the military guys get there, and they get kind of set up, he's walking around and he'll see somebody and he'll say like, you know, like, hello, William, how was such and such or da, 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 da. And, and, you know, how's it, you know, how's it going, Pete? How's it going, John? And he knows these people by sort of by sight. And, um, so he sort of knows maybe all their childhood secrets. And maybe, I don't know if he even knows some of their stuff as adults or, or how it goes, but it's interesting in that, that is when we were talking about the magic stuff, That is one of his powers that he has. What we'll do too is we'll talk a little bit about the elves and we get a little bit of a hint of how Chris is so old or how he's lived for so long. Um, We also, before we jump into that too, we also see that he he has guns. He has like a, it looks like a little, well, one of the guns he has eventually is like an old, like Colt Peacemaker, like an old cowboy gun. And then he has like another type of, oh, it almost looks like a high point, not a high point, but a high power, something like that. Maybe he's got that and he's proficient with guns. He's out there and he is um, uh, target practice and all, all sorts of other things to kind of keep him, his skills sharp. All right. I had another bit of a pause there. Which took a few minutes for me, so I kind of lost track of where I was. But so, what I think I was going to talk about was maybe the elves and what was going on with them, and how we would get a hint about some of Mel's long longevity. Also, I don't. It 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 would appear that Ruth has probably been with him from the from the start. So I don't know if if she is maybe. More if if she and Chris are more than human, I don't know if they're if once the sort of the spirit of Christmas enables them to live longer. One of the things that one of the elves say, and and they are elves. They are not just smaller people. They are definitely not human. And one of the things again that I had said earlier that you know he had been doing this at a minimum since 1907 was that there's one elf and his name is Seven. And all the elves have numbers because it's it's easier and more efficient for them. And he had said something to Chris about, they were talking about something and they said, oh yeah, you know, remember back in 1907 when such and such happened and blah, blah, blah. The elves also are, they eat like lots of sweets. So they have like sugars and carbohydrates and that keeps them going and that works for them and there's no real ill effects or anything like that. At one point, once the military guys get in there and once they're actually starting to work on, on military things, this one captain guy who comes down and you think he's going to be kind of a jerk or kind of boss everything around, but his character actually does. He does care about his, he cares about people and he cares about his men under his command and he also cares about the elves at one point because he's asking the elves about, you know, what they eat and, you know, shouldn't you eat vegetables and meat and fruit and da 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 and, and then that's when the elf explains, no, this is better for us. And at first you think he's just going to try and take over, but really it's coming from a spirit of genuine concern um, that this guy has for them. And there are uh, a couple other scenes later, and we'll, we'll get to that later where he, again, he shows that he's just not some officer guy who's he's in charge and you got to do what he says. And he's not willing to, you know, put in work or, or, you know, do what he needs to do type thing. So I think, well, I don't know. I think that's probably about it for some of the characterizations of them and, and talking about a little bit of background. So, uh, again, if, if we go back to that elevator pitch of Billy got mad that he got a present, they got a lump of coal instead of a present, and he is sent out skinny man to kill Chris. So skinny man finds his, you know, tracks basically is able to track him down, goes out there, eventually finds the place. Well, of course, prior to Chris having the the uh, contract with the military, it would have just been him. So he has the military, but now you have, you know, there's probably I don't know, 20, 30 guys or something like that that are there that are part of, you know, part of guarding the operation and securing the operation. So anyway, Skinny Man goes in there. He starts sort of doing a one man war, trying to get to Chris and mean, well, we'll talk about the arc here in a little bit later. Basically, this eventually will lead to a confrontation between Chris and Skinny Man. Uh, they're gonna kind of go mono a mono type thing. There's a big barn, and and below the barn, kind of down this big ramp, is where all the workshop is. And eventually, Skinny Man goes in there, and that's where the captain is, and the bunch of the men are. They he starts shooting up the place. A bunch of the guys get killed. And one of the things we see is that the captain comes out, and he actually gets into the fight. He is not afraid. He's not um, doesn't run away. We see that he's a good soldier and we see that he is trying to protect the elves first and then his men second and then himself third. And at the very end, of course, you know, we got to have the confrontation between Chris and Skinny Man. And so at the very end, the captain ends up getting killed. And so this is going to be, and these are some of the major spoilers, but this is going to be sort of the end of the movie. When Skinny Man attacks the barn, Chris and Ruth are up at the house and they hear the commotion. He gets his guns, his two pistols, and he comes out. And then Skinny Man had also taken some explosives, had thrown them in there. Once he had gone through the barn, he kind of blows it up. They're out like, it's, it's this farmland basically where they are. So there's they're out kind of facing each other. He's up, Chris has kind of come down from the house a little bit. Skinny Man is down by the barn. And so there's, you know, 50 yards or so, 60 yards in between them. There's also a big wood pile. And they start shooting at each other. And then eventually, you know, they run behind each, each seeks cover. They kind of have their pistol duel before all that started, you know, uh, skinny man basically is talking to him about, you know, I, he, he shows him a little police car, a little matchbox type car. And he said, this is all you ever gave me. Then he said, after all the stuff that I wrote to you and all the stuff that I did, and it, it's at the time, and I can't remember his name even in the credits, he's only billed Walton Goggins. The character is only billed as skinny man, but he actually, Chris Kringle actually says the skinny man's name, like, you know, Jamie Bradford or something like that. And he was like, there's only, and then Chris says to skinny man, there's only so much I could do. There are limits to what I can do. And he said, I couldn't, I couldn't change your parents. Meaning that probably a lot of the letters that Skinny Man wrote as a boy was to rescue him from the crummy situation that he was in. And again, we don't know what the limits and and what the extent, I guess, probably, I guess would be the better way to say it, of Chris's powers are as Santa. So anyway, they they fight it out. They kind of wound each other a couple of times. Eventually, Skinny Man gets the best of Chris and he ends up shooting him in the head. We see two off from the house, Ruth has come down and she takes a couple of shots at him. He shoots her a couple of times as she's running away back toward the house and he eventually I think he succumbs to Oh no, what what happens is that's right. So they were kind of out in the yard, Chris and skinny man were out in the yard. Ruth comes out of the house after, she, after he shoots Chris, she, Ruth, shoots Skinny Man. He falls to the ground. It's not a fatal wound, but he gets up and then he comes back toward the house. She runs off toward the house. As she's running off, he fires a few rounds at her and he actually hits her in the back. She goes into the house. He comes up and he's looking for her. He doesn't see her. She's actually hiding behind a door. She opens the door quietly. She's got a A gun on him, and he's starting to turn around, and she just says, "I'm sorry," and boom, and she shoots him and kills him. And so that's sort of the end of him. We, she goes back out to Chris, who's laying on the laying out in the snow, and you see he's got like a head wound, and then she's got her, she's holding his uh, head in her lap, and then it kind of pans down a little bit to his hand, and he grabs the snow. So again, we see that he is not quite human or there's something that keeps him alive. Now, one of the things I did want to talk about is prior to Skinny Man coming up to the house, right before he had started to, oh, sort of get in, his attitude got was getting better. He was getting a new lease on life. His, Ruth had brought him down these folders when he was outside, like, target practicing or something. I can't remember what exactly he was doing, but she brings him these folders and he, he opens them up and he sees a picture of a little girl with a fire truck. And then it shows her as an adult working at the fire station. He sees a picture of a little boy in another file. He opens it up and sees that the little boy was at, had like a little play kitchen. And then you see a picture of him as an adult and he's a chef. And so he kind of thumbs through these things and sees different things. One of the things that the elves had, had one of the elves had said, number seven. In fact, he, he's the foreman. Had said to the captain was, you know, he was like, well, how old are you guys? And he's like, oh, we're, you know, such and such. And then he said, well, what about Chris? Is he the same as you? And he's like, no, it's the Christmas spirit. It, he goes, it's the spirit of giving or something like that that keeps him young. So again, maybe that gives him the healing factor. We know from before too, when he had gotten shot in the side, that, that will, that heals up relatively fast, much faster than, uh, than normally would. So we see again, his hand moves in the snow. We know that he's still alive. We then cut back. And this is one of the last scenes in the movie. Oh, and before I go to that, let me, let me t- when, when, um, Walton or when Skinny Man and Chris were out there getting ready to have their showdown Skinny Man says I've come for your head fat man and then Chris looks back at him and says you think you're the first you think I got this job because I'm fat and jolly or fat and jolly there I probably mumbled that last part so obviously there's been other people too that have come and maybe either tried to kidnap him or hurt him or you know do do who knows what and we never really find out about that stuff so Anyway, uh, the last thing that we're going to see is we cut back to Billy and he is, uh, in order to pay for the hitman, he's had to sort of embezzle money from his grandmother's account. He'll sneak some checks and then sign off her, you know, forge her signature. And then what she, as he's coming up, he's got a glass of milk. He's coming upstairs to his room and she's across the hall from him. And he goes in there and he's like, oh, I just wanted to say goodnight, you know, grandmother. And and she's, and he hears her saying, well, where's this money going? You know, I need a full accounting, this, that, and the other thing. And so what he does is he surreptitiously takes a bottle of her pills. He goes into his room because he knows the gigs up. He knows she's going to find out that he's been spending money. So he is going to kill his grandmother. He's going to poison her. He's, he's gotten a bunch of her bottle of pills and he's chopped them all up and he's getting ready. and He's put them in the milk and he's, he's focused and concentrating on that and looking down all of a sudden, Ruth comes walking into his room and he's like, you know, he thinks it's one of the servants. Um, and in fact, they had come to the front door. Ruth and Chris had come to the front door. The servants let him in. They know who he is sort of almost automatically. And I, again, I don't know if it's that thing of like he lets his can let his presence be known or or let his identity be known so that if a little kid saw him, that they wouldn't be afraid. So Ruth and Chris come up to Billy's room. Ruth comes in first. They are talking to Billy. They, Chris walks up and his head is all bandaged up. He's got like a, like kind of a big red winter coat on, but it looks like a regular normal coat kind of, you know, just with a fur collar, like even a brown fur collar, I think. Anyway, he comes up and he sees the milk. And of course the kid is stirred in. You know a lethal dose of Whatever drug she's on and so then Chris Picks it up he drinks it down And he's like mm, yeah fentanyl that Would have done the trick so again We see he is not He he must be like Immune to poisons and, and things like That I, I and again we we don't know All of his Oh abilities I guess We'd say anyway he basically Tells the kid look you're gonna If any harm Comes to the girl at your school, if any harm comes to your grandmother, if, if she has an untimely death, if you do this, if you do that, I'll come back and I'll, you know, I'll rip you out, I'll wait till you're asleep and I'll come back and I'll, you know, basically take care of you, that type of thing. And then later, the, I think the last scene of the movie is we are back at the farm at North Peak area. And he comes out and he has got a, uh, an eye patch on, again, over the left eye. The elves are out there and they are, uh, Seven is out there and he's, you know, got a bunch of plans and they're rebuilding the shop or they're rebuilding Santa's workshop and all this other stuff. And that's pretty much how it ends. So anyway, I know I rambled on and, and jumped around quite a bit. Normally I would do stuff more, you know, in a linear fashion, but I felt with this one, the story... Oh, it's, it's a simple story. Uh, like I'd said before, I think it probably could have been cut down quite a bit and maybe even made into, you know, a thing where instead of, you know, it's maybe 70 minutes, uh, and especially if you did it in one of these type of uh, like a Christmas anthology show or something like that. Or maybe you have it as a, a little bit longer movie that is like a Christmas anthology, like the, how they used to do the old horror anthologies like Terror Train and and all that type of stuff. So anyway, I would recommend the movie. I think it's good. I think you'd get a, a kick out of it. It is a little bit slow moving. Like I said, there could have been a little bit of fat trimmed up. You, you know, if you wanted to keep the length, I don't know. You you maybe could have gone into some of the other characters a little bit more here and there, but I, you know, I don't know. It's maybe that would just turn into to padding as well. Overall, I would say, again, maybe if we go back and look at both movies, they both could have used a little bit of trimming. Batman is much more polished. It seems to know kind of more what it wanted to do. And so I don't know if maybe if that is the experience of the filmmakers, maybe if it's the type of actors that were there. You know, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, That is that. Let me know if you have any recommendations on movies or shows. And if I can get a hold of them, I will go ahead and review them for you. And it can be anything from uh, stuff that's, that's going now, also to stuff that's way in the past. And like I had mentioned earlier, I do plan on reviewing some of those older movies and seeing how they hold up. All right, let me give you that contact information. I'd, like I said, I'd love to hear from you. The voicemail is 2067452731. And the email where you can record your own audio or you can send a regular email and I'll read it out for you on the show, is the Armed ape@ gmail.com. All right, my beautiful monkeys and my fellow travelers. I will talk to you guys next time.